You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. I'm Paul Mann. I'm Hugh Fort. And I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 128 of the Real Reading Podcast, where we discuss the week's top stories, get niche about Reading, and chat this week with Kate Armitage, who is a training and volunteer development manager at the charity Berkshire Youth. That'll be very interesting and exciting a little later on in the podcast. Um, I do apologise, the sound quality might not be right up there with our very low standards as it is. Um, We are sort of trying to tether on some very vague Wi-Fi that we will try and get sorted out over the next week or so, Um, but we'll do our best. Um, Don't forget to give us a like on Twitter after that, uh, at Real Reading Pod, and search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. I don't know about anybody else, but I've no idea whatsoever what day it is. The clock's changing and the bank holidays, but you'd, I guess you'd think <laughs> working from home would mean you'd be a bit more clued up. Uh, but no. Um, and I, I, just in case you were thinking there was a cool link that I was going to slide into there about someone who'd gone a day early to uh, pick up something or anything like that. No, nothing at all. Um, I just wanted to say it out loud to everybody so that I I, get, I don't know, people get an insight into, uh, into how I work um it obviously had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the first indie corner of 2021 so Berkshire beer box is a almost a selection box of Berkshire beers from breweries who are based in Berkshire putting eight beers into the box um, and being delivered to residents of Berkshire delivered once a month uh, so you can order at the beginning of the month and throughout the month and then delivered at the end of the month. Uh, the breweries that you can expect are from are the likes of Siren, uh, Elusive, Double Barreled, Phantom but you've also got some more traditional ones in there like Windsor and Eaton, Two Cocks uh, and say Stardust. The Berkshire Beer Box is £25 uh, that includes delivery and will be delivered to your Berkshire door. So you can find out more at uh, berkshirebeerbox.co.uk, which is where you can also place your order. We're on Instagram, which is berkshire.beer.box, and also on Twitter, which is at berkbeerbox. So I suppose I did have a cool link, really, didn't I? Um, that was uh, Jimmy Plummer from Berkshire Beer Box delivering fresh, lovely, delicious Berkshire beer to your door uh, for the last four or five months. It's uh, it's 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 very good. I've tried it. Um, you should too. Um, okay. Well, if you've got anything you want to talk to us about, um, here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch, and then we'll go straight in to part two. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod, 
and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Welcome to part two. We are discussing this week's headlines. Um, first up, there has been an artist's impression. I love artist's impressions. I don't know about you guys, but I love artist's impressions. They give me a real feeling of, of like, you know, what could be or what might have been. Um, nothing ever looks as good as an artist's impression. And, and I think, there, you know, some, some of my favourites down the years mostly revolve around Bracknell Town Centre and what it could have looked like. Um, I think it looks pretty great now, but uh, some of the artist's impressions were uh, were absolutely incredible, and and you know you, you just wonder what you might have had. Um, but we've had an artist's impression of what Reading's Cemetery Junction might look like, uh, or Reading Cemetery Junction Arch, sorry, might look like um, if it is transformed into an arts hub. And um, we're talking about this one specifically, Paul. I know um, you you. We've got some you got some feelings on this one but um Hugh just in terms of the planning application um what's going on here is it going to be another reading jail uh potentially yeah there's no planning application as such it's a um because um the arch is still up for sale so um but it's um the group right. um jaha as they're known um I forget what I forget what that stands for, but it's Jaha um, Junction Junction Arch Heritage Junction Arch Heritage Action Group. Yes, that's that's right. Yeah, um, has revealed what what it would do if if it was to take control of the um, of the arch itself. So uh, to to make it more available to the community, um, have little little working spaces in there. I think street food. Um, street food markets um and that sort of thing a little community area on the on the entrance way to the um to the cemetery there um but they would still need to um to take control of it and to then generate income to keep it up for its upkeep as well so um we don't know if this plan's going to happen but um it's a nice nice idea for for usage of that of that um that arch that everyone drives past hundreds and hundreds of times without really knowing what it is um and so yeah we'll have to see uh, down the line what happens with that and then plan, you know planning applications will be needed um they're talking about demolishing an old building there as well to free up some more space and um and we'll have to see whether that gets the go ahead from the council or whether it because it's up for sale it means anyone commercial interests could um potentially offer offer a reasonable amount the council might take instead um to convert it into something like housing or something like that i'm not sure if anyone would ever want to live in that particular location but who knows um so we'll have to see down the um down the what down the line paul that's something we've spoken about on the podcast before about who on earth would want to live there uh yeah um, I don't think that's one area in that particular bit that anyone would want to really live in, is it? I mean, right on the junction. I mean, it's like that is possibly one of the busiest areas of the whole of Reading, isn't it? Um, and also, yeah, I'm glad to see that they've taken up my idea as an arts hub. I'm going to take full credit for that, even though there's absolutely no evidence of that being true in any way or form. But I think what the problem is about <laughs> getting them by, can they? They're going to have a way of using it, aren't they? This is the cynical side of me coming out, but 
good to see they're going to have some street food in there in an indoor venue. So that is interesting. I, I quite like the idea of that. But um, it makes sense, doesn't it, to use it for something else? Because surely you can't convert that into an office. You can't make it into a, an office space because it's going to cost too much money. When you get something for much cheaper, people are now working from home. Ah, yeah, an art centre would be better. So I look forward to seeing some art that I've possibly done in the last few months being up there. I might be lying about doing some art, but I can easily knock some up this afternoon if they want some. I can do something that look just just absolutely fine in the Tate Modern. <laughs> absolutely fine, no problem at all. <laughs> it, it does seem, um, yeah. The, the, I think the idea of living there, or perhaps even even having an office and working there, does does seem absurd to me and something for the community uh would be a much stronger offering uh to my mind so um i, th I think uh i think we've i think hopefully that's something that we go will go through um and and fingers crossed um certainly they've they've got if, if it carries any weight whatsoever they've got the backing of the real reading podcast indeed um let's move on to the second story hugh reading borough council says it won't object to pinson's hill and uh, this has been on the cards for quite some time. Um, do you know why they won't object? Um, quite often there's probably with these, because it's not in Reading, um, it's in West Berkshire. So West Berkshire is the planning authority, which will make the decision on whether to allow these. these. This is a, a housing development for um, a housing plan for more than 250 homes, 256 homes, and it's in the sort of, this wild area of Tull, Tull Pinsons Hill, where um, it's a big expanse of green land, essentially dog dog walking, um, popular dog walking spot, wildlife area, um, and real nice what they call a green green divide, sort of separating um, Calcot and uh, Tullhurst and um, Thiel as well, I think. And um, the developer wants to build two hundred and fifty six homes there. Um, the reason Reading um, uh, would, would not object to it is because there's, yeah, so there's no, whereas there's a lot of protests and things like that from people within Calcott and Tilehurst and um, uh, though, and Thiel, which are all in West, which are all in West Berkshire. Tilehurst is both in Reading and West Berkshire, but Reading Council will will, will not object if, unless they, it, there's a specific reason the impact on Reading itself, um, they, they can't just object to it because they don't like the idea of it. They'd have to say this is going to cause major traffic or, you know, a real detrimental impact to Reading. And they've obviously looked into whether that will be the case and decided decided not. So it's, it's almost not this, you know, the feelings of the people. I'm sure the local councillors in Tilehurst, for the bit of Tilehurst that's in Reading, will have something to say about it. and. Um, but but the council itself will not have a reason strong enough to to, to object to it. I just say um, I just say uh, there's there's a lot of protest against these plans. Like these plans date back. This is a new plan for the same area, but uh, in um, years and years ago, 2009, I think Alok Sharma was involved before he was the M before he became MP. So he became MP in 2010. So in the run-up to that, he was heavily involved in um, fighting off another plan for um, for Pinson's Hill. These plans have been kicking around for quite a while, 
couple of years, these new plans have been kicking out a couple of years, I think, and there's a lot of local, I think there's more than a thousand objections to them um, on the West Berkshire website. And um, a campaign group has been started up and generally uh, people don't seem at all keen um, on having this area of Greenland developed. And uh, this coming up soon at planning, West Berkshire planning, um, maybe May or June, I think. So we'll have to, again, we'll have to see whether that gets given permission. It's going to cause a lot of outrage if it does. And it's a big area of green land that could be lost. Although I think the developer has said that a lot of it will be kept and sort of regenerated as well. Um, but yeah, 250 houses is quite a big area. So, so that the, yeah, so in a month or two, we'll find out whether that's going to get built or not. Thanks, Hugh. Um, we will just, I, I want to just talk about this, this third and final one um, that we've got in terms of our headlines. It's not necessarily a top story. Uh, it's just something that occurs to me. I think that there's, there's going to be an awful lot of this kind of thing. Uh, and there's one that I think has just been revealed to be happening at Reading FC's Medeski Stadium. Um, it's open air cinemas. Open air cinemas are, there's certainly going to be, as I say, there's certainly going to be a lot of them, I think, this summer. Um, have either of you been to an open air cinema? Because I like the idea. I don't necessarily like the idea of watching a film and getting rained on. <laughs> well, you normally sat in your car, I think, on these, Tom. So yeah, I clearly think, you've um, never been to one. Right. <laughs> are you saying that you've got an open top convertible car, Tom? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. That's, that's why I get paid the big bucks to host this show. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. I, well, one of these events i would like to go to one at cav court sorry cavisham court getting a bit um local there but i would like to go there definitely <laughs> um uh, and i would like to go to one of the abbey ruins because that's not been open for that long and i didn't manage to go last year so i reckon it'd be fun to go to these definitely get down there it's a so really too. nice venue I mean, yeah cavisham court looks lovely now so yeah just to be clear tom so if you go you sit in your car and then the music the, the film shows on the screen and the sound gets pumped put wirelessly through your car radio possibly apparently. not a cab court though you drive up the river <laughs> yeah true at the one in the Medeski stadium i wrote about yesterday that yeah they play the sound through your car radio so it fills the car and the car is also a barrier to other people as well so you can get food and stuff delivered yeah. to the car and then sit in the car for a watch a film outside with your family and then drive off and having not come, in, come into contact with anyone. So uh, it's quite a, quite a reasonable idea, I think. Do you think there'd be groups I, of cars going admit. up there, though? Yeah. More, more than six cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as in, yeah, I think possibly it might be an event that might see groups of cars and families saying, oh, let's all go up there and watch it. And then they all just sit in each other's cars anyway. I mean, I wouldn't say that people would do that. I mean, I wouldn't do that, of course. I'm not that kind of person. I'm completely law-abiding. But I'm saying there's a possibility that that might happen up there. See, it's a big area. I think I, well. it, it surprises me a little bit that perhaps, as someone who in, does enjoy going to the cinema occasionally, but doesn't like the fact that there are other people in the cinema with you, I'm surprised that drive-in cinemas are not more of a thing uh, in this country, pandemic or no pandemic. What if you what if you think the film's rubbish or you go to a film that you, you suddenly find is totally unsuitable <laughs> for the people you're with? Are you going to start to drive off again? Or are you going to wait yeah. for everyone else? <laughs> the radio on a different channel. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
turn the sound off. Yeah. <laughs> it does make you wonder, doesn't it? You, you've got to a really important part of the film. Everything's quiet. It's all it's like, like a, a horror film or something. Suddenly someone sticks the bass on and, and, and off they go. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> Somebody drops the bass next year and all of a sudden yeah. <laughs> you've got like, some amazing, like, no, some 80s, uh, uh, yeah, pop coming out next door to you. A bit of rock set, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Oh. Well, um, anyway, hopefully people do get to enjoy some open air cinema this uh, this summer. I think um, I think this sounds like an absolutely brilliant idea. Um, when I, when I, yeah, just just to go back to the very start of this, when we were talking about um, going and getting rained on, I, I did mean the like the the ones in Forbury Gardens, and I can't see people being allowed to churn up Forbury Gardens in their cars. Um, <laughs> that, that's the kind of thing I was talking about. But yes, I hadn't realised these were these were drive ins. So. Um, thanks, chaps. Um, in the meantime, uh, it's time for us to have a chat with Kate Armitage, who is the Training and Volunteer Development Manager at the charity Berkshire Youth. The Big Interview. Hi, everybody. I am here on Google Hangouts with Kate Armitage, who is the Training and Volunteer Development Manager at Berkshire Youth. Hello, Kate. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on. You look like you're nursing a very fine looking cup of tea there. Absolutely. Essential homeworking. Uh, yeah, Indeed. <laughs> how, how many is that today? Just out of interest. Uh, this is probably my third or fourth cup of tea. It's, it's essential to keep you going throughout the day, isn't it? And biscuits as well. Oh yes, you you can't go wrong with a, with a couple of biscuits. What biscuits do you, have you have you chosen? Oh, um, well, I had a hobnob. I had a hobnob thing earlier, like a chocolate hobnob. Oh, it's very good. I feel. Do you know what? I think I might change these interviews around. Instead of asking people about what they do and well, I might just ask them what biscuits they're eating. I think that's the content <laughs> people want. You know, in a lockdown. Um, so let, let's uh, let, let's let's dispense with that. Tell me a little bit about Berkshire Youth because I've been reading through the website. Berkshire Youth does a lot. We do do a lot and we, we're so proud of all the, all the stuff we do. So, yeah, we've been um, operating for over 80 years now um, and we offer a variety of different services to young people. Um, really passionate about working with young people to um, improve their, their life skills, their employability opportunities um, and generally just offer support when we can. Um, so we have kind of two different strands of Berkshire Youth. We have a membership programme where we do a lot of advocacy on behalf of the sector, um, supporting youth organisations, um, up training sk skills and development of youth workers, etc. Um, and then we have our direct delivery where we go in and offer mentoring programmes, personal development programmes and detached youth work on the streets. And, and so in terms of your role then, what does that what does that involve? Because it, it does sound quite quite intensive and, it, and it, you know, there, there's a lot that seems to go on, as, I, as I've suggested. Absolutely. I mean, my role is all encompassing, I guess, as the charity sector always is. Um, we, our team do a lot of training and development of youth workers um, and the third sector, as well as offering personal development programmes. So we offer leadership programmes to schools um, and to the wider community um, and support with other kind of things as well. So I'm really, I'm really keen to support young people and youth workers to upskill and to to create a new generation of youth workers and this is where this kickstart program that we're going to talk about later on comes in because you know young people just don't have opportunities to try out new 
new jobs like this and actually this is a great opportunity to try new roles out um to gain tra training and experience um in a really supportive environment um i might be i might be going back a little bit too far um what, how did Berkshire Youth start? What what was the sort of the, the catalyst that, that got it going as an organisation? That's a very good question. Um, I only joined the organisation a couple of years ago, um, so I'm not entirely sure of the kind of roots of Berkshire Youth. But I, but I, it came from um, there's an organisation called um, the National Association of Boys and Girls Clubs, and we were, I think, historically kind of youth organisations and youth clubs, and there was a need to to support those youth clubs. So the infrastructure organisations we are now kind of developed through supporting youth organisations, supporting youth programmes, and then also the, just the need of developing that further. So I think we've, you know, changed and developed and adapted throughout the years um, to become what we are today. And, and obviously, you kind of, as, you, as you say, sort of in, in the charitable sector, where, that obviously suggests that you, you need to do a lot of fundraising. Where, where does that kind of funding come from? What kind of events, what kind of stuff are you, you doing? And that is obviously incredibly difficult at the moment with everybody in need of, of funds. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, and it's really, really difficult because we don't want to compete against everybody, you know, anybody. And we want to be able to be as collaboratively, as collaboratively and kind of holistic as everyone's trying to work together. But yeah, funding for the charity sector is always an absolute nightmare. Um, we're very lucky to have some fantastic funders locally and nationally um, who have supported our work for a long time. Um, but we also are, you know, always up for kind of trying to try new fundraising events, trying new fundraising things, applying for new grants. Um, and, you know, seeing where new pots of money come from. But, you know, as you say, especially during COVID times, it has been really difficult. And I, I know not necessarily for us, but I think for the youth sector in general, in terms of youth clubs, youth organisations, where they have shut their doors because they've just not been able to open. Funding has been a real, real issue for them. Um, so I think it's been, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a hard time recently. And, and, and so obviously, as, as well as funding, you kind of mentioned there you've had to shut the doors and stuff. How, how have you been able to kind of still get services out there, assuming that there have been things going on? Yeah, so I think the youth sector has always been really adaptable and really flexible. And that's been brilliant. I think, um, you know, generally around the country, we've been able to adapt our services but it's not been easy. You know, I think, you know, services in Berkshire, some of them have shut. Some of them have really, really struggled to maintain any services. Um, some are struggling with the, you know, the massive increase in young people needing mental health support and a lot of different supports. But having less staff or less volunteers or, you know, just the, the dynamic of youth work is really, you know, it's it's a face to face thing. It's a relationship thing. And that's really difficult to have on online. But we've had to do it. We've had to adapt. We've had to change. Um, and many of our organisations and services have have gone online. Um, we've either conducted kind of our mentoring services over the phone or online. Um, youth work programmes have all gone onto Zoom or Teams. Um, and we've just adapted. We've just done it. But we are, you know, our youth centres are slightly slowly opening up again and uh, really looking forward to seeing the young people again. I, I kind of said to you just before we before I pressed record that um, you know on on this podcast we try and really focus on the on the positive and and all that. But I think you you raised something really quite important. I, I just has, has without wishing to sort of lead you into to anything particular. Um, has has mental health been the biggest? problem that you've had to to kind of deal with and not that it not that such not so much that it's a problem so to speak but in terms of what you've 
Berkshire Youth have had to deal with over the last year or so. Is that the biggest or if not, what was the biggest area of concern? I think certainly for our young people, that is a definitely a massive area of concern. And we have we did a, a recent survey that um, put out to young people in Berkshire and about 750 young people um, came back with a survey, which is absolutely fantastic. And at least I think, it, I think the statistics were about 60 percent of them said that their mental health had declined during COVID, which is massive. Um, so I would say, yeah, definitely. You know, and the other thing was around, you know, the uncertainty of schools and education and their futures you know young people are really struggling to see where they're going in the future because everything has just been changed so much um but yeah definitely one of our recommendations from the report that we're going to publish soon is about um creating collaborative think ways of thinking about mental health and and getting services together to think of different and new and innovative ways of supporting young people with their mental health because it's a big thing and it's not going to go away it's going to be affecting young people for a long time um, and we need to, you know, not, not necessarily going to see a massive increase in funding, but I think that we need to be innovative in how we approach those topics for young people. And this might lead us quite nicely into kind of what the, the, the sort of the main subject is, what, of what we were going to think, what we were going to talk about. But where where do you think that Berkshire Youth is going to be absolutely vital going forward? Because, as, you know, as you say, for, for all of us, everything has changed, but for, for kids for young people going into this this new world where everything for me it's a case of well you now work at home instead of going to an office for them it's you know who knows it, you know I, I can't put myself in 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 the position of a, of a young person like that anymore I've, I've apps I knew what path I was going down generally it was university or it was work or where where are these guys going to go who knows so where where is where are Berkshire youth going to be most vital going forward it's a very good question. And I think, I mean, I think Berkshire Youth and the youth sector, I think the biggest thing is that we can just be there for the young people and be walking alongside them on their path of wherever that is um, and adapting to whatever that might be. So the needs of the young people, I think, again, I've just said, you know, I think the youth services tends to be very good at adapting. And I think I can't tell you where we'll be in five years time, but I can tell you that we will be adapting to whatever the young people need and whether that is, an amazing youth centre um, that that we can that we can create, or if that is personal development programmes or leadership programmes or employability support, I don't know quite what that's going to be. But I think that as a sector, we're passionate enough to hang in there to be able to create whatever that is. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think um, I, I think in a in a in a funny way, there's sort of there's not a, not a real answer to that. I, I don't think it's going to be finding it uh, as, as as we all are going to have to i think um well tell me a little bit about the kickstart program then because i, do, I feel like that is something that's going to going to lead on um, yeah so we're really excited about this program it's a government initiative um and the government have invested quite a lot of money in this initiative to provide opportunities for young people um around employ employment um so you know we know that the um, the pandemic created a massive crisis for young people in terms of employment, um, as as it has done for so many so many people in general. So this, um, so the government launched this Kickstart scheme, um, and it's basically six month employment placements for young people um, who are at risk of long term unemployment, and we'll basically give them a variety of different opportunities within those um, within those placements. 
Um, and they're rolling placements as well. So we, we, we're able to offer six placements in total, um, free as time. They'll be within different teams of Berkshire Youth. Um, and I think for me, the biggest thing for us is that we're able to, as a youth organisation, we're able to support those young people as they're needing support. Um, so we can really adapt those placements to the young people that are coming in, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really exciting and we're really excited. So it, we've, it launched a few months ago and we're currently recruiting for those posts at the moment. Um, just before I, I talk about work experience, because I, I, that, that's what immediately think about work experience when we when we talk about that. Um, just just if people were interested in applying, where can they go to to find out more, or or if they wanted to think about that? So young people who want to apply have to be um, have to have a work coach at the job centres. They have to be on universal credit. There are a few different specifications they have to be on. They have to be age sixteen to twenty four unemployed and in receipt of universal credit so if they are in all those things they would talk to their job coach coaches at the job centers um, and they would get a referral to us and then we would take them from there equally though if they just want to get in touch with us directly first then we're happy to have those conversations with them as well and we can go down we can support them through that route those routes and how do, how do they get in touch with you so if they want to come and get in touch with us they can get in touch with us via our website or our social media sites um, we, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on LinkedIn, we're on all these different sites. And our website is www.berkshireyouth.co.uk. Okay, that sounds uh, that sounds great. And hopefully people will be able to take you up on that and, and just just at least get some important you know experiences out of it. Um, you know, I know I know how important a, a CV is these days, um, and having a, having a CV that, that shows a variety of experiences. So, mm-hmm. I, I guess that's good. Just slightly off, not necessarily off topic, but kind of just in a, in, a, in my head, I was just thinking about work experience because when I was at school, work experience involved going to work at BT with my dad for a week uh, and kind of sort of sitting around, uh, going out on little jobs and and just watching. This, this obviously sounds. I'm sure that experience will be familiar to a lot of people if not yourself um how 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 is this different to that um so i think again as a youth organization i think we're really invested in hearing young people's opinions and getting them involved in lots of different things there'll be lots of training opportunities um and also it's a paid placement so you know they're they're not just going in for two weeks free placement like like what I did on my work experience (laughs) um this is a six-month paid placement and they're going to have a huge amount of training associated so they'll get their first aid certificates they'll get kind of safeguarding training if they're interested in youth work it's a brilliant opportunity for them to get lots and lots of training at the same time um but there'll be there'll be a real hands-on approach so the 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 position with my team will be helping me do deliver training will be helping me deliver Mm. leadership opportunities we're going into schools um and at the start, I imagine young people will be shadowing and hopefully at the end of the six weeks, we expect young people to be, you know, running some of those sessions or at least running icebreakers and activities and within those sessions. So there's, yeah, they're going to be really hands on opportunities, I hope. Uh, that, that sounds uh, that sounds excellent. I, I think the, the one thing I, I'd like to see more more young people understand is the importance of a tea break. Absolutely. It's something, especially uh, in in the journalistic trade, that we are dreadful at is getting up from our desk and either going for lunch or having a little a little cup of tea, a little break for for five minutes. It just doesn't happen. Um, and so, hopefully, that's something they'll they'll get out of that as well. I want to see mandatory lunchtime going out of the office. And I think I think that socialising though is really really important, isn't it? You know, and being in the office. And I think that's one of the things that I think everyone struggled with in terms of this pandemic of working from home is that we've just not been with people and actually. You know, it's so important to be with other people, to learn off each other, to chat to each other. And, you know, I hope that, you know, we have 
it, we've got these free placements and they're all embed they're in, all embedded in a different team and that's really nice that they'll get to be in a team and chat to people and learn from each other Kate, thank you very much for your time. Um, I look forward to hearing and, and learning about how some of these guys have got on. And perhaps we could maybe speak to one of them uh, down the line on, on one of our podcasts and just kind of see what they got out of it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tom. I really appreciate your time. Cheers, Kate. Thank you. The Big Interview. Okay, part three. You notice I've added an extra part to the show. Um, it seemed a bit, it was all getting a bit intermixed. So I thought I'd add a third part to the show. Um, part three is, as always, the random question. The random question. Um, my random question from my random question generator this week is what's the strangest thing in your refrigerator? And I think just judging by Hugh's uh, video, we could actually go and look in Hugh's refrigerator. I can. We can do this live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although my headphones won't stretch. Oh, yeah, no, I think we should definitely do this live. Also, I've yeah. just noticed the fridge, <laughs> fridge is actually open. Um, so, <laughs> so I might get a telling off if I don't sort that out pretty quick. Um, <laughs> Paul, why don't you go first, and I'll I'll go and have a look. I've got I have got something in there which is gherkins in some kind of weird sauce. I couldn't quite get to them because it was right at the back. But um, yeah, I like gherkins. <laughs> but I've been there for about two years, and I've also got hot dogs, which I'm pretty sure are out of date. But I've actually kept them because it reminds me of when we used to have barbecues in the garden with other people there. <laughs> Yeah, oh. God, that's really uh, that's really an insight into my brain, isn't it? <laughs> but, I mean, we never had hot dogs, but randomly we used to sometimes have them just as a weird part of the barbecue. There was a lot of alcohol involved at that point, Tom. Um, but, um, yeah, that's probably the weirdest thing. But, yeah. Okay, I've just had a look at mine. I can show you what I've got. This is, um, this is what I've found. Oh, what is that? Oh, is that? Um... It's Korean hot red pepper paste. Ooh. By a company I can't possibly pronounce the name of, um, but um, I can tell you I've had this in my fridge for at least two years, probably longer. I seem to remember it's it's it came with us when we moved house from from the <laughs> fridge, um, and yep, it's never been opened, and it's always just been there in case you know we need some Korean hot red red, red pepper paste. <laughs> um, it's one of those things you have in your fridge forever, so. Um, that's the most unusual thing in my fridge. That that is clearly a winner. Um, that reminds me of kimchi. Um, I had that in my fridge range as well. I love kimchi. I don't want else thinks on that, but that's not really bugger related. Kimchi? I don't know. It's a pit, I don't know cabbage. Cabbage. Fermented cabbage, and yeah. you can get it in all different kinds of. It's nice. It sounds really rancid. I've got to say, but it is nice. You get it if you think if you've probably had it if you've gone to somewhere like Wagamama, it's uh, uh, very often uh, served up there. I, uh, I thought I'd just let you know what I'd, I'd already looked. I'd, I'd pre-planned. Um, I'd already looked. We've we've got in our fridge some cheese from our wedding day, um, which was, I think, off the top of my head, 2017. <laughs> nice. It's been in there a little while. Four-year-old cheese. 
<laughs> wow. That's uh, definitely That was good cheese. I seem to remember that it was good cheese from uh, from when, from your wedding, Tom. Yes, it was good, wasn't, wasn't it? it for that it shop? Was, was it from that shop in Pangbourne? No, sadly not. No. Sadly not. The cheese shop. I'd like it to have been. Yes, I would like it to have been, but it was not. No. That is a quality shop. The cheese shop. <laughs> it's a, it's a great. It's a. It's one of those shops you can easily spend a fortune in. Yes, it's almost like they try and make you do that, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> it's, it's very clever. <laughs> Lots of delicious-looking cheese. Yes. Um, thanks very much, guys, for your attention this week. Um, here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch with the show. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. That is more than enough for this week. We'll be back next week with plenty more. Um, obviously, we would still like to have people to talk to. So if you'd like to be an interviewee on the show or if you have any suggestions, please do get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Um, and if you have a moment as well, please give us a rating on your podcast app. And if you have time to submit a review, that would be lovely. I think the last review was way back in 2018, especially on Apple Podcasts. It'd be nice to have another one. Um, but we'll be back next week for more Reading Podcast goodness, hopefully with some slightly better sound quality. Uh, bye. 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 You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast.